as I was saying, uh, it's so good to be home. Uh, we had a great time being away. I want to thank you for allowing Carrie and I to get away for a couple weeks of vacation. Some of you may look to each other and say, I don't remember giving him permission, but I want to just thank you anyway. Uh, we had a great time. We've been planning a bicycle trip for uh, the last year or so to ride across the state of Iowa with 20,000 of our closest friends. Uh, it was quite an endeavor, 519 miles all the way through. But uh, as I was riding, there was a couple things that the Lord began to speak to me through that experience. And I want to share one of those with you today. But uh, I'll, I'll never forget, as we would ride, I, I thought Iowa was flat. I've learned Iowa is not flat. There's lots of hills. And uh, on the first day of the, the trip, Sunday, we had 4,000 feet of climb in the first day. And, and, you know, I learned that when you're riding your bicycle, going on a journey, your eyes are very important. Well, what you see is very important. It's critical to completing the adventure. You have to have eyes that are correct, that are right, that are going to be helpful for you. And uh, I'll never forget being on that very first day, and, and we had trained, we had prepared, we had done everything we were supposed to, but I didn't know there was going to be so many hills. And you would get up to the top of a hill, and you're ready to go downhill, and it would be flat, and then it goes up again. And my wife, Carrie, would often either ride right beside me or right behind me, and I could hear her so uh, audibly say, so loudly say, are you serious? <laughs> Whenever we'd see another hill, we'd get up to the top, be ready to go down, and she'd see another hill, she'd go, are you serious? And I, I thought, well, if she would ride behind me, then she wouldn't see the hills as much, and maybe I could encourage her, and, and I, I began to see that your eyes are very important to completing the adventure, how, how you get through that, that journey. It, it wasn't but a few days later we began to see how when she would have a tough day, I'd have a strong day, and vice versa, when I'd have a, a weak day, she'd be strong. But there was this day when it was raining pretty hard, and uh, going down the hills is a lot of fun when you can see, but... Um, I, I wear glasses like a lot of you, and, and when I take them off, you all disappear. Isn't that great? I put them on, there you are again, and take them off, and you're gone. So, you know, it, it was just one of those moments, and when it was raining so hard, I discovered that when it rained hard enough, my glasses were useless, and I had to take them off, and everything went away. And uh, when we're going downhill, I can't see it, but i put these back on. When we're going downhill, coasting was about at 35 miles an hour, and, and it was scary, and I couldn't see what was in front of me, and I had to depend on Carrie to call out any trouble in the road. Is there people in front of me? And not just going 10 miles an hour or 20, but 30, 35 miles an hour. Now, I love my wife, and I trust my wife, but I've never trusted her at 35 miles an hour before. That was a, that was a different thing. And as we would ride day in and day out, sometimes six to eight hours on a bike, we had great times to talk, but, but after six or eight hours, sometimes you're talked out and nothing else to talk about. Any men know what that's like? I, I was there. And, and so I had nothing but time to pray and to listen. And I share those silly stories with you because the Lord began to pour into my heart towards the end of that week the things that he was wanting to teach me and things that I believe he wants us to, to learn and grow in together. And one of those things was this idea about how important our eyes are. And the Lord brought me back to this passage of scripture that I want to share with you today. It's a, it's a story in the Old Testament that you have heard many times. It's a passage that I have preached over a number of times. But I believe God wants to remind us of something that's far more important than just our eyes. Sometimes it's the things that we can see that discourage us. Sometimes it's the fact that we can't see something that brings fear to our heart. But in completing the adventure, the journey that God has for us, our eyes are so important. If we're going to live a life that is right with God, it begins with having eyes 
that see what God sees. Now, the Bible is filled with stories of ordinary people just like you that do extraordinary things for God because they dare to dream his dream. They dare to see his vision with his eyes for their life. Now, if you're taking notes, jot this down. This is the first key thought I want us to catch today. It's this. God's resources are reserved for those who see and attempt the impossible. The first time I jotted that down, I I remember thinking, well, I mean, can't God give us his resources for some things that we can do? And I think the crux of what we're going to find in this passage of Scripture is that so many times we only attempt things that we think we can do on our own strength, and we wonder why we are not very hungry for the things of God. We wonder why we haven't really tapped into God's power. God reserves his power, his resources, for when you get into places, you're not presuming on God, but you're following his vision, his dream for your life, where you say, if God doesn't show up, I'm sunk. If if God doesn't help me out, I'm completely out. Those are the exciting places to be. That's where the adventure is. And God reserves his resources to pour out on you when you and I attempt the impossible that he leads us in. If you want to live a life radically obedient to God, you've got to venture out beyond what is comfortable. Beyond what you can manage. Beyond what may even seem reasonable to you. To help us get our arms around that, I want us to look at this real-life account that happens in Numbers 13 to bring you up to speed, remind you of this real-life story. This is where Moses leads God's people out of Egypt. They're going through the wilderness, and as they are approaching at the Jordan River, overlooking the Promised Land, they send out 12 spies to check out the situation, the land that God is leading them to. Look with me at Numbers chapter 13. I'll be reading verse 27 through 33 from the message paraphrase. If you have your Bible, you can follow along in your translation or you can look to the screen. But let's look at this passage together. We went to the land which you sent us to. Oh, it does flow with milk and honey. Just look at this fruit. Now the only thing is that the people who live there are fierce Their cities are huge and well fortified. Worse yet, we saw descendants of the giant Anak. Amalekites are spread out in the Negev. Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites hold the hill country. And the Canaanites are established on the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan. Caleb interrupts. He calls for silence before Moses and says, Let's go up and take the land. Let's do it now. We can do it. But the other said, we can't attack those people. They're way stronger than we are. They spread scary rumors among the people of Israel. They said, we scouted out the land from one end to the other. It's a land that swallows people whole. Everybody we saw was, was huge. Why, we even saw the Nephilim giants. The Anak giants come from Nephilim. Alongside them, we felt like grasshoppers. And they looked down on us as if we were grasshoppers. These 12 spies came back from them, scouting out the land. Ten of them said, no way, we can't do it. Two of them said, let's go, we can do it. I want us to first look at these ten spies who said, no way. They had eyes of fear. Now, this morning I want you to catch that this is not just 
a Bible lesson about what happened with the children of Israel, what happened way back then. We know that God has given us the Bible not as a book of exceptions of what happened one time and wasn't that amazing, but it's a book of examples of how God has and does and continues to work. And I share with you that silly story about riding a bicycle because whenever you're on an adventure, your eyeballs are so important. And I believe that God wants to highlight some things today for you and for me, for where we are going, where God is taking us, the adventure he's leading us on. Before we can get to it, we've got to look at the eyes that we have. As I shared it, I was praying on the bicycle and the Lord would bring a passage of scripture and I would, I would quote that scripture and I would even listen to that scripture and I would think about it. The Lord kept bringing back Clarity after clarity of disciple, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And friends, over the next four or five weeks, we're going to zero in on what it means to really be a follower of Jesus. There's an adventure there. Jesus told all of those who were following him, come follow me. There's a time when we leave something to go follow him. And then he doesn't like train everybody and get them all through school. He says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. There's some stuff that that can appear to be scary. And then he sends them out to make disciples. And he says, teach them to obey the things that I've commanded you. And we're going to talk about those things together. But I don't believe that we can get to it if we still have eyes like some of these, our brothers and sisters who've gone before us. And so these ten spies talk to us about one set of eyes that we can approach life with. The first thought is this. Eyes of fear underestimate what God can do. Verse 28, they reported, their cities are huge and well fortified. Worse yet, we saw descendants of the giant Anak. What strikes me about this is that they mentioned the giant Anak, but they made no mention of the God who created that giant. There's no mention of God anywhere in their report. They couldn't see God in the picture because their hearts were so flooded with fear. Now, as I said to you today, be careful. Don't just take this as a history lesson of what happened to them. Some of us have hearts, have eyes that are flooded with fear. And it's beginning to impede your vision of what is happening. Maybe you can see so clearly, you can see the hill ahead of you and you go, Oh, come on, really? Another trial, another challenge, another hill ahead of me. Some of you, the storm of life is so thick around you, you can't see anything. You are so fearful and fretful because you can't see ten feet in front of you. Eyes of fear underestimate what God can do. It wasn't that they couldn't see the land. It was that they couldn't see the God who was leading them to that land. Eyes of fear see only the giants, yet eyes of faith can fix in and see the giant killer. What is it that plagues your heart, plagues your eyes with fear today? Some of you, when I talk about eyes for fear, you don't have to think very long. Something instantly comes into your mind that grips you with fear. I want to encourage you today, take your eyes off of that giant and onto the giant killer, onto the God who created all things, who's all sufficient, who's more than enough. But there's another host of us here today who say, I ain't afraid of nothing. I'm not fearful. I'm a man. I'm a woman. I'm not afraid of anything. But if we would dig a little bit deeper, sometimes we work so hard to keep all our ducks in a row, to keep in control of everything, because what we fear the most is being out of control. 
when we pad our bank account so we can make sure that we have security, when we begin to make sure that we, we filter who can get close to us, and some of us have done such a good job at keeping people at arm's length, no one will ever hurt me again because no one can ever get close to you again. And you keep control of everything. Friend, fear can be masked in our desire to keep control of everything. And when we have eyes of fear, it underestimates what God can and wants to do in our life. Eyes of fear also forget God's blessing. And eyes of faith recall his faithfulness. Let me remind you that these 12 spies, all of them had witnessed some rather amazing miracles from God. They saw the parting of the Red Sea. They saw water spring from a rock that they could drink. They saw manna, frosted flakes from heaven, falling down that they could eat. God did all kinds of miraculous things for them. He took care of them all along the way. But eyes of fear now gave them amnesia. They were forgetful. They could not see God fulfilling his promise to take them into the land. Second, eyes of fear not only underestimate what God can do, but eyes of fear underestimate what you and I can do. They went on to report when, excuse me, why we even see the Nephilim giants alongside of them, we felt like grasshoppers and they looked down on us as if we were grasshoppers. Fear not only gives us amnesia, it causes us to lose perspective. Now, the historians tell us that these giants were probably no more than just a few inches taller to them. This wasn't like a grasshopper in this giant 20 story building. But they began to have fear and brought all kinds of disproportion in their mind. In fact, they began to try to read people's minds. We felt like grasshoppers in their sight, and they looked at us and thought that we were grasshoppers. How did they know what they were thinking? You know, we get in a lot of trouble when we start filling in the blanks of what you're thinking about me, what you're thinking about me, what you're thinking about me. Fear loves that fertile ground. Fear walks around and says, oh, everybody's probably looking at me right now. They probably think I'm bad. They probably think I'm not good enough. They probably, I probably didn't please them. I didn't quite do it right. Get your eyes off of the fear and allow God to give you eyes of faith to focus in on him. Now, I'm not saying that when you put your eyes on Jesus, everything's rosy. Everybody loves you. I have a dear family member. His philosophy in life is <laughs> everybody loves me. If they don't love me, they don't know me yet. And I want to say, uh, no, I think there's a few people who know you and just don't like you. But that's his philosophy in life. And that's not a bad way to live. And I'm not trying to say we ignore things and say that no one ever doesn't like us or something. But when there's an opposition, get your eyes off of the opposition and onto the one who is the Lord over all opposition. Something changed when they allowed their eyes to be flooded with fear. They underestimated who they were, what they could do. And they began to read into other people's minds of what they thought of them, whether that's what they thought or not. They began to believe lies about themselves. Eyes of fear overestimate the enemy and underestimate what God can do in us. Eyes of fear not only underestimate what God can do, underestimate what you and I can do, but underestimate what our decision will do. God is sovereign, He is in control. But by his own sovereign will, he's given us the freedom to choose to live with the consequence of our choices. If I had been God, leading the children of Israel out of the Egyptian bondage, taking them all the way over here to the promised land, getting them on the edge of the promised land right here, about ready to go through, and they acted like they didn't want to go through because they're afraid, I wouldn't give them a choice. 
I'd have grabbed him by the neck of the neck and just thrown him in and say, get in the promised land. I'm God. You're not. Get in there. But thank goodness I'm not God. You should thank God that I'm not God. That's not the way he deals with us. He leads us up to the place where he's taking us, and he says, I want you to get in on choosing my dream for your life. It may be scary. There may be things there that are bigger than you, but not bigger than me. And we begin to underestimate what our decision will do. God says, it's your choice. It's all there for you. It's my will for you. It's my promise for you. I want you to have it, but you have to claim it with the eyes of faith that I want to give to you. If you choose eyes of fear, if you choose to stay right where you're at, you'll be in the desert. You'll miss my blessing. It will be your choice. See, without God, you and I cannot do it. But yet, there's something interesting. Without you and I, God chooses not to do it. He wants us to be in on choosing his will. He doesn't force you to follow his dream, his plan for your life. So the people make a choice. They choose to follow the report of ten who saw the bad, who had fear. And as a result, an entire generation missed out on God's blessing. Notice what God says to Moses a few chapters later, Numbers 14, verse 21 through 23. Not a single person of those who saw my glory saw the miraculous signs I did in Egypt in the wilderness and who have tested me over and over and over again, turning a deaf ear to me. Not one of them will set eyes on the land I solemnly promised to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with such repeated contempt will see it. What a tragedy. It's, it's more than just tragic for those people who'd had eyes of fear. But it affected an entire generation around them. And I think the tragedy continues. There's still people today who who settle for eyes of fear. God's been leading them. They they love God, but when he leads them up to the the edge of where he wants to take them, they say, "I, I don't know. That makes me uncomfortable. I'm not so sure that I can do that. You can't do it. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's, it's safe. It may not be safe, but God is good and he will protect you. He will lead you in that. But don't miss this. If you and I adopt eyes of fear, it doesn't just mess with us. It messes with the whole generation that we are representing. There are people in your circle of influence that will be blessed by your obedience to God. There will be people in your circle of influence that could possibly miss a blessing that God wanted to give to you to pass on to them. There's other people involved in our decision to obey God. Some of the most unhappy people that I have ever met are people who have said no to God in his leading and they've missed his blessing. Some of the most unhappy people that I believe are on earth are those who have tried to follow God and they say, God, no, I don't want to go where you're taking me. And they have caught a glimpse of it, but they've not gone into it. They are so unhappy and they miss it. God loves them. God loves you if you're in that position. But don't stay stuck with eyes of fear. If they'd only said yes to God, if they've only taken that step of faith, notice what else happens when you say no to God. Look at the first few verses of Numbers 14 with me. The whole community was in an uproar, wailing all night long. That's annoying. Wailing all night long. All the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The entire community was in on it. Why didn't we die in Egypt or in this wilderness? Why has God brought us to this country 
to, to kill us? Our wives and children are about to be pl- become plunder. Why don't we just head back to Egypt? Why don't we just go right now? Soon they were all saying it to one another. Let's pick a new leader. Let's head back to Egypt. What are they thinking? Isn't that incredible? See, God responds to their prayers where they were in bondage and slavery in Egypt. He gives them a leader in Moses, leads them out of slavery. God takes them to the promised land. They say, oh, we're scared. Let's go back to being slaves. Let's go back to what's comfortable. Let's go back to what's predictable. Let's go back to what we know. Eyes of fear say, I can't handle it if it doesn't fit within my box. But God says, would you trust me enough to lead you to a land that you've not been, to lead you to a place that I have dreamed for you? Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying we be reckless and that we just go willy-nilly and do whatever comes to our mind. No, no, no. This has to be following the direction of God. But when God is leading you, we need to operate with eyes that say, my God is big enough to handle the things that I don't understand, to handle the things that I can see that I go, are you serious? One more hill. To handle the things that I can't see, it's going too fast, slow down, I don't know what's ahead of me. God says, trust me. Eyes of fear always block what God wants to do. On the other hand, there were two spies that came back with a vastly different assessment. Quickly, I want to look at what happens when we have eyes of faith. Eyes of faith bring courage. I love what Caleb does. In the midst of this negative report that's breeding fear and anxiety, look at verse 30. Caleb interrupts Moses. <laughs> this is good. He interrupts and calls for silence and says, let's go up and take the land now. We can do it. Have you ever been in a situation where the odds felt like there was, you know, 12 and 10 of them or all against it, and it's only you and one other person who think you can do it? Think about the, the courage, the guts it took to say, no, 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 we can do this. God is for us, let's go against it. Eyes of faith began to breed courage instead of doubt. Caleb was saying, wait a minute, guys, listen to what you're saying. Even if there are giants there, they're no match for God. You're beginning to act as if we're going to do this in our own strength. Here's the catch between eyes of fear and eyes of faith. If you plan on coming up with all the power in your own strength, you better well put on eyes of fear. But if you are planning on letting God be your strength, eyes of faith are an absolute necessity. There is no match for you when you are following and obeying God. God says, take the land. We better get moving because I'd rather be in the land of giants with God on our side than in the desert with God not on our side is what's with Caleb's heart. Fifth thought is not only eyes of faith bring courage, but eyes of faith bring confidence. In spite of Caleb's courage, the moment of fear was taking hold and momentum for fear was growing. So Joshua joins in with Caleb. Look at the next chapter in Numbers 14, 6. Joshua and Caleb address the assembled people. The land we walked through and scouted out is very good land, a very good land indeed. If God is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land that flows, as they say, with milk and honey. He will give it to us. Just don't rebel against God. Don't be afraid of these people. Why? Well, we'll just have them for lunch. We can eat up these giants if God's on our side. In other words, we have no protection They have no protection, and God is on our side. Don't be afraid of them. See, eyes of fear take God out of the picture, but eyes of faith keep God 
in the picture. Eyes of faith also bring completion. Forty years later, God leads his people back to the same place, ready to cross the Jordan River in the Promised Land. After 40 years of reflecting on the impactful, fearful decision they made where a whole generation missed out on it, those who were faithful, who had eyes of faith, Joshua and Caleb were able to enter in. They did their part, and God came through with his part. He backed up to the river, and so an entire nation could cross over to the dry ground. Look at Joshua chapter 3, verse 17. And there they stood, those priests carrying the chest or the Ark of the Covenant stood firmly planted on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed on by dry ground. Finally, a whole nation was across the Jordan, and not one wet. God did a miracle for those who chose to have eyes of faith. As we begin to see this, God not only provides for Joshua. Joshua is the new leader. He provides for Caleb. That next verse talks about the land that God gives to Caleb. But I want to skip ahead to a final thought for us today. What is it that you are trusting God for today that only he can do? I don't mean what is it that you're hoping God will help you out with that you're really planning on doing in your own strength. I mean, what is it that you are trusting God for today that only he can do so that when he does it, you won't be able to say, well, look at me, I did it. If there's no place where you're you're venturing out into the adventure of the promised land, get ready and listen because God wants to lead you beyond yourself. I think there's a message of encouragement for someone here today. Somebody here, as soon as I said eyes of fear, you instantly know what fear is gripping your heart. I could go through a list of examples of maybe a medical uh, word you heard from a doctor. Maybe it's something happened in a relationship in your family. Maybe it's, it's a host of things. I don't know. The Lord hasn't told me what it is for you. But I know there's some people here today that when you hear eyes of fear, you lock on. And it's as if you see so clearly the next mountain that's ahead of you. You get up one hill and you go, are you serious, God? Another one? And eyes of fear begin to cloud out your vision and it will keep you from going in the journey. Some of you, it's what you can't see. It's the unknown. But I believe today God wants to exchange your eyes of fear for eyes of faith. So here's what I want to do. I'm done preaching. If you wonder when the sermon's done, it's done now. Done. But I don't think we're done with God yet. So I'm going to ask Pastor Edgar or one of our musicians to come and play whatever's on their heart. I want to give you an opportunity in just a moment to respond to what it is that God is saying to you. Maybe you're here today and it's not that those eyes of fear jump out at you. I'm not fearful of anything. Maybe it's this desire to stay in control. It's this desire to mastermind your whole life. It's this desire to have the 5, 10, 15, 20-year plan for everything you have in your life. And I'm not saying we shouldn't plan. I'm just saying your confidence is in your planning instead of your confidence being in your God. And friends, it's masked as being an OCD planner. It's fear. 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 God's Word says His perfect love will cast out fear. That doesn't mean that you'll never be in a situation that makes you uneasy. It doesn't mean that you can never ever be scared. It means as soon as you see the storm, you say, God, get my eyes off the waves. Would you take my eyes to you? He wants you to not miss the next leg of the adventure.
He has called you to be a disciple. This is dangerous. This is next week, but we're getting in a little bit. He's called you to be a disciple. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost me something. It's a huge adventure. Some of the most unhappy people I've ever met are the people who are missing out on what God wants. The second right to them of most unhappy people are those who they know what God wants them to do and they've got one foot in what God wants and one foot in what they want. It's miserable. We can't get to any of that stuff until we say, God, we need eyes of faith to follow you. If you're here today, I want to ask you to do something. It may be scary, but you've got eyes of fear. So everything is scary with eyes of fear. Trust God enough to say, God, your word says, not because Brady says it, faith comes by hearing what the scriptures say, and hearing comes from the word. So as we've heard the written word today, he's going to increase our faith. As we allow the living word of God, Jesus, to minister to us, he'll increase our faith. We need to say, God, this is my vision of fear. Would you give me eyes of faith? If God's speaking to you today, don't come because you think it'd make me happy. Come because you know that God has something for you and your eyes of fear, your eyes of control that are blocking out eyes of faith. It's not worth it. If you're able to kneel, as soon as Pastor Edgar sings, I want to invite you to come, stand up. Don't wait for anybody to come kneel here at the altar. If you can't physically kneel, you can join me. We can sit on the front row together. But let's begin to respond to the God who's calling out to us. I have a new vision for you. I have new eyes for you. He's saying, don't just settle for the old eyes. If God's speaking to you, you'll know it. Let's mind God together as Pastor Edgar leads us in this song.